Hello, thank you for clicking play. If you're passionate about supporting small business, small creators and are enjoying the podcast, I would love if you considered supporting me and the show via Patreon. You'll find the link in the show notes where you can join us from as little as £3.50 a month. You'll be supporting the making of the show, enable me to keep the show ad free, get behind the scenes content, blog posts and lots more. Just click the link in the show notes to find out more. Now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Independent Thinking, the podcast exploring a new era for the high street. We celebrate those who are doing wonderful, creative things in the most difficult of circumstances. We'll be going behind the scenes of businesses and shops you love that you look forward to visiting and that add joy to your high street. I'm your host, Alexandra. Welcome along. Hello and welcome back. The department store has, in many ways, had one of the most tumultuous journeys of all of those in the high street. While some key players in the sector are seeking to innovate and fast in terms of new ranges, refurbishment of key sites and investment in new services as they seek to make their stores destinations again for their customers. The fact remains, we have seen a huge number of store closures this year, with John Lewis alone reducing their sites from 51 to 34 during the past 16 months. For many, the department store's fall from grace has come to symbolise all that is wrong with traditional bricks and mortar retail. Disconnected from their customer base, lack of investment in the look and feel of shopping in store, uninspiring product, lack of innovation. Need I go on? These were already problems for companies like Debenhams, but the ongoing pandemic certainly accelerated their effects. But companies like Debenhams, John Lewis and Fraser's have historically occupied truly enormous spaces on the high street for decades. They've become cornerstones of shopping centres and some of the buildings they occupy are beautiful, important culturally to their towns and cities and amongst the most iconic buildings in this country. So what happens to them now? How do we preserve these buildings for future generations? And how do we stop them falling into disrepair and neglect like many of the companies that once occupied them? We'll be exploring this and lots more with Catherine and Coco from the 20th Century Society today. We discuss potential new uses for their beautiful buildings, why it's important we protect them and how you can get involved in their efforts to save these buildings that are at the heart of our town centres. Enjoy! the show Catherine and Coco lovely to have you now we've been discussing a number of different challenges affecting the high street one of the biggest questions that have been starting to come up particularly around discussions around Debenhams is you know what happens to these large massive you know huge of course gargantuan a stores on our high street that take up so much of the high street and that is exactly why we've got here today so the 20th century society are running a campaign um, to save some of the most um, important department stores in in the UK so firstly Catherine can I come to you first tell us a little bit about the 20th century society because I think a lot of people might not particularly in Scotland because I don't know if you how much work you do here but might not be aware of of the society's purpose so tell us a little bit more what you do well, we um, we campaign for the preservation of buildings built from 1914 onwards, um, right up until the current day. So we're researching the history of buildings and working out what makes them special. 
And then sometimes we're putting them forward to be listed. Uh, and then we have a role in the planning process where local authorities have to come and talk to us about any applications to demolish buildings that are listed um, so that we get an input into discussing what their future should be. I see. And at the currently, it looks as though just from your website, it's predominantly based in England and Wales. Is that fair? Do you have any kind of any work in Scotland that you're looking at? Or- um, we're actually just trying to set up um, a Scottish regional group. Um, at, because at the moment, local, the, the, the business about local authorities actually legally having to consult us um, only applies in England. Um, we would love it to extend to Scotland as well. Um, but um, in the short term, we're relying on our members um, north of the border to um, to send us things individually. Um, and we're trying to kind of you know build up momentum on that. It's just so many fantastic buildings in Scotland which are being lost. I mean, the, the market in Aberdeen, we've been involved in St. Peter's Card Ross for, for ages. Really, you know, that's a, a terrible story of neglect and, and potential loss of a fantastic site. So um, we'd love to be, be more active in Scotland. Tell us a bit more about the campaign and, yeah, how can people get involved and how did that all begin? Um well, I think the, the campaign's a direct um, reaction to, to just the news that we, we keep hearing that department stores all over the country are closing. And I mean, I think this was a, a trend before COVID, just with everyone um, moving more towards shopping on the internet. Um, but it's certainly been speeded up um, by, um, you know, the, the closure of, sh- of shops for mm. the last, um, most of the last year. Uh, people um, have been um you know, finding other ways of of, of shopping, and, and it's hard to imagine that they will go back to um, shopping in the way that they did before. Um, although, I mean, it 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 does seem to me. I mean, shopping was always a kind of more than just acquiring yeah. stuff. It was a real sort of social process. It was about going Absolutely. with your friends and talking to the shop assistants, and um, you know, all that business of actually, um, you know, being part of the city and enjoying mm. being out and. Being a, being a citizen, I guess. So, I mean, I think there's quite a lot to be lost by moving everything online. But um, but certainly we do know that a lot of um, building owners, um, you know, are giving up on them. They just don't think there's going to be enough um, sales to justify uh, keeping all those these buildings. Uh, in, and so what we really wanted to do is to identify, really just start with the basics. How many department stores are there in Britain? We don't know. How many of them are 20th century buildings? Again, we're not yet sure. Um, How many of those are architecturally really interesting? Um, I mean, and some of them were uh, prestigious building projects built from scratch, but quite often Mm. department stores sort of gradually evolved. You know, somebody like a draper would um, start off with one little shop and then gradually expand, move in next door. Um, you know, so some of the buildings are actually quite higgledy-piggledy and, and not very well thought through. So it was really just to to understand, um, you know, what it is that we, we are talking about, what it is that's at risk um, was number one. And then we thought um, that of, a few of these department stores are listed and so they've got protection, but really not very many at all. So I think one one of our objective is to draw up a shortlist of ones that we think should be listed nationally. Um, and then beyond that, we want... Can I interrupt you there for sl- just on that? Just on that point, I'm just just for those who aren't um, totally fee with what listing means, can you just tell us a little bit about what protection that gives a building? Yeah, if a building's listed, 
uh, it means that you have to have a special permission as well as planning permission. and You need listed building consent to make alterations. And at that point, as well as all the, the usual planning considerations, like, you know, will what you want to do upset your neighbours? Um, you know, is it um, going to add to the economic vitality of the city, whatever? Um, you consider whether the um, whether the works would preserve or enhance um, the architectural and historic interest of the of the building. So you know it becomes um, it just really flags up that that um, the building is something special and that um, as a, a as as a country we've decided that these buildings are special and that we want to. Um, ensure they they survive into the future. I see. So for something that has historical importance or maybe importance to the story of a, of a town or city or it perhaps was designed by an architect or a designer who was really prominent and important. This is the thing that kind of comes coming to mind. It's, it's about telling the story of a specific place. It's about uniqueness, isn't it? There about something really special about preserving that. And it might be about the design or it might be a building that's technologically really interesting you know department stores are all about providing massive great big floor plates you know so lots and lots of space so that you can have loads of clothes all laid out um Mm. on one floor without having to go up and down the stairs um so structural innovation to enable that to happen just to enable those sorts of um, big open plan spaces um are quite often part of the story that we're, we're looking at for, for a long time, shops were really tiny, small cellular spaces, um, and now most of them are, you know, vast, open-plan, flowing spaces. And that—that's um, a change that's gradually evolved. And um, you know, you don't really think about how those sorts of changes happen. Um, and it's a, a, a kind of interaction between, you know, a desire for change, what technology to deliver it, um, economic circumstances to make it um, all add up. A lot of the buildings that we're looking at as well have really interesting artworks, either um, sculpture or mosaics on the outside, quite often murals inside. Um, and a lot of those, um, well, sometimes those have been you know, covered up because they've gone out of fashion and they've been boarded over or painted out. So it, it's you know, researching um, what there might be that um, might actually be hidden at the moment and making sure that we don't lose those. Absolutely. And so you've been compiling a list almost of, of across the country of a of, of kind of buildings of note. And have people been sending things into you? Is that right? Of, of kind of things that should be on your list? Yes, we've got a massive spreadsheet and we've asked um, all our members and supporters and um, we've done some, um, we were on the Radio 4 You and Yours programme. We asked listeners from that to, to uh, email in um suggestions and particularly if that they know that their own local department stores you know looking sad and boarded up and looking as though it might not have reopening not be reopening after after the covid pandemic then to 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 let us know and and to um um you know so we can research its history and decide whether we think it's something that's that's worth fighting for in terms of its architectural interest and things can be relatively modern, can't they? I mean, because I think that PVP people feel like it needs to be a, I don't know, I, maybe maybe because it's older, it needs to be kept. But actually, things could be relatively modern. I mean, I'm thinking I mean, 70s, 80s. I mean, it's still 40 years ago, but still, as in like, it's still, it's a, it's a very modern in terms of our, our society. Um, it, things don't have to be old and decrepit and crumbling. We have to, it's about saving them before they kind of get to that stage, isn't it? About, yeah, so things don't have to be from the early 20th century. It could be 
yeah, there's there's no discri- what I'm saying, there's no discrimination about based on age here, I guess. Yeah. Um I mean on the whole, we we started out we when we first formed as an organization, we were called the 30 Society. And most of what we were doing was with Art Deco buildings from the interwar period. Um, and obviously we, we've evolved because we, you know, we've we've kind of rolled forward um and now Actually, we probably spend a huge amount of time looking at buildings of the 60s and 70s because those are the ones that are uh, at least loved and most likely to come up for demolition. But we we have come right um, up to date. We had a case that was um, a home-based store from the um, 1990s. And we also tried to get a 1990s um, Sainsbury's supermarket that was a very early example of um, kind of eco-architecture. We tried to get that listed. Sadly, we weren't successful. But, um, you know, we, we feel that we're, we're constantly kind of pushing pushing the boundaries and really trying to um, make sure that we don't kind of wipe out chapters of history before we've even had a chance to assess what's special about them. Really interesting point. Coco, I wonder if I can bring you in here because I know that you've been working on some specific examples that maybe kind of paint a picture for us uh, with your words. So yeah, <laughs> tell us some more about the campaign in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we've done a real mixture of uh, a real variety of work. We've um, submitted applications to list a number of the top quality 20th century department stores. Um, and then we've also protested against the issuing of certificates of immunity from listing um one case for that is um the house of fraser it's also called the rackham store in birmingham and um so a certificate of immunity is issued which means that it can't be listed for the next five years and that sort of paves the way for demolition so we've been fighting that for that store um and that's a a kind of local landmark building built in the 50s um, and the sort of local groups in Birmingham were really um, trying to fight against its demolition. So that's been a, a big case for us. Um, and then we've just been uh, sort of objecting to planning applications to demolish um, other stores. Not all of them are listed, but lots of them are sort of architecturally notable and, and interesting historically as well. So the another one we did, um, mm. we've been working on recently is the Debenhams and Taunton, which is a a building which sort of evolved um, over sort of thirty years or so. It was built in the nineteen thirties and then extended in the sixties. And this is this is sort of incredible um, Art Deco building. Um, and yeah, an application has come in to demolish that and replace it with residential units. So we've been we've been pushing back against that. I see. So how much? I mean, this sounds quite a, a difficult process. I think it's, it's a very administrative process. I think it's a lot of, there must be a lot of negotiation, a lot of kind of back and forth um, that you're having to navigate. So, yeah, t- how much is success slow to win? I think, is it, is it quite a difficult process in this then, I guess? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it sort of depends partly about in sort of when we're made aware of the of the intention to demolish or, or to alter. So if we're sort of contacted at pre-application stage by by the developers who want to make these changes, then I think at that point we often have more of an opportunity to make a difference because we're able to sort of provide feedback and and have our um, have our thoughts heard um, at that stage. If it comes to a bit later, it's 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 more of a fight. Um, 
but we do we do um we do write strong letters strongly worded letters and um we we get involved with the local local groups and we um we do lots of campaigning to to push back on those and then it sort of comes down to the council making the right decision at that at that point I said I, I had one one member write in to say he was so passionate about his local department store he said could he um he was willing to um chain himself to the railings naked except for the pair of sunglasses <laughs> that he bought there in the 1980s that was like the first time he ever used the oh, credit wow. card um so if we get really desperate we might be talking <laughs> about that yeah. I mean whatever works do you know what I mean I mean if that's gonna draw attention to the to the cause yeah, I think you could be terrified, actually. <laughs> um, so I guess, yeah, we're, I mean, we're seeing a huge change in, in the use of department stores, and there's a lot of really interesting discussions at the moment, particularly um, with Ma- uh, Marks and Spencer, with John Lewis. I mean, I know that the old Topshop site on Oxford Street is in discussion currently, well, they're... Um, real real estate is in uh, their realtors are in a discussion with ikea so i think there's a lot of real change happening to these massive sites into thinking quite differently about who can move in and you know marks and spencer are looking at office space or john lewis are thinking about you know residential space within their stores which i mean sounds amazing i mean to live in john lewis is probably a dream for i mean you know beautifully designed space but what do you have in mind what do you see when you think about these buildings being being kept what in your mind would be uh the future of these buildings then if they can't be department stores as they are in in their entirety what do you think Catherine can I come to you well in most instances they're pretty flexible you know that that what's special about the buildings is the facades and occasionally the you know the lobbies and the staircases but a lot of it is is you know big open spaces that have been reinvented loads and loads of times shops are forever completely refitting out um their spaces um i mean there's the yeah odd example of you know really fantastic loos or something which we might want to keep but um um i mean on the whole i think you know they they're reasonably straightforward to convert often you know shops are um going to be artificially lit all the time and they say that you know they're very deep plan there are areas of of the floor space that are a long way from the windows and that's obviously makes it quite difficult to mm. convert into residential unless you um, cut a big atrium through the floor plates which could be structurally difficult but but possible so I mean the, the most um, I suppose the most obvious new use would be to have um, limited shopping on the on the ground maybe first floor and then office space above but at the moment it's not by no means certain that we're going to, to need um, all the office space we've already got in city centres, let alone any more. So I think we have to be really flexible and we need to think about the sort of newer uses that um, that might well um, be able to move into these buildings. So things like co-working spaces and um, social spaces, bars, cafes, um, a lot of these department stores have fantastic, um, have roof spaces, you know, the idea of being able to have rooftop bars and cafes um, is really really appealing. I mean, that's interesting. I think I mean, one of the largest a uh, one bar- department stores a uh, on Princess Street is um, used to be well, most recently Fraser's, and then has been turned into a uh, it's like a six story bar a uh, and by Johnny Walker. So it's like this sort of, uh, but it's really interesting to watch them restore it because 
actually there are a lot of really key features which I'm sure obviously I mean are, are listed and are protected but actually they've been enhancing them with with kind of using modern design kind of thoughtfully so I think there's a lot of well that, I'm saying that we'll see how it looks but I mean it looks at the moment it looks great um but yeah I think there's a lot of really innovative um things that can be done working alongside and thoughtful design Coco you're nodding are you, are you thinking are you, have you got any examples or anything that springs to mind in that respect I think I think, as Catherine said, like lots of them are, that we are seeing, lots of the cases we're seeing are, are where stores are coming up for being converted for sort of residential or office use. But there's also lots of great sort of community and cultural um, uses that they can fulfil. So there's um, the Grade 2 listed former cooperative emporium in Bradford, which was built in the 30s um, by the City of Bradford Cooperative Society. So that's um, going to be used by, um, I think they're called Freedom Studios, which is a contemporary theatre company, and then lots of other sort of local organisations um, for a variety of different cultural uses. And that's um, had a, an architectural heritage fund um, grant mm. to sort of allow that work to go ahead. And that's, a, I think, a really appropriate use for that store. Um and another one that I thought was um, a good example is the Havens department store, which is grade two listed. And that's um, this incredible Art Deco building um, built in the 30s again. Um, and that's in Southend-on-Sea. And it's going to be used um, by Age Concern, I think, the sort of local Age Concern, um, as a kind of one-stop shop centre for older people and their families. And then we'll have all these other spaces for different charities. So it's, it, I think you can do like a real mixture of things in these spaces. Yeah. It doesn't have to be, you know, just one one thing. Um, it can it can be they can be brought into sort of community and local use yeah. as well. And that kind of a using them in that because they're so beautifully placed with the heart of a, of a city centre they've got a lot of potential to, to have such a community uh, to importance for the community I'm just thinking we spoke to um, mid Steeple Quarters a project in Dun, uh, Dumfries who actually are buying back a lot of the high street uh, by community ownership and they've been working with artist collectives and, and you know pop-up shops and thinking actually yeah just when you talked about that theatre company there's actually really interesting ways we can use these spaces and uh allow people to actually have space in the high street, which wouldn't normally, you know, they wouldn't normally occupy. So it's really interesting. Are you seeing that people are kind of becoming more engaged in this discussion about the kind of saving of our department stores then? Maybe we were, perhaps they wouldn't otherwise. I think people do have very strong emotional attachments to the places they shopped, particularly, you know, shops that they went to as kids, went to with their families. Um, the department store is, you know, where you go and buy the, buggy for the baby before you have a baby and maybe where maybe where you have a wedding list if you get married um you know where you go and buy your kids first pair of school shoes uh we've had lots of people with stories like like that sort of saying um you know they've got real sentimental attachment to to their local department store um so um i think that it's um um, you know, it's more than just the the architectural history we're at to preserve. It's those those stories about people's lives in 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 their local communities. Of doing a sort of folk history almost of of department stores is that part of the project at all? I mean, it's huge. Um, not, I'm just, I, is that a potential? Is that a potential thing? <laughs> Uh, I think we should. Um, I think we will be asking people to write their a- anecdotes down. But sadly, I just don't think we've got the scope to start doing an oral history. Much though, I would love to do that. Um, and there's definitely a book in there somewhere, yeah. isn't there? I mean, I think if, if anyone wants to write one or listening along, uh, yes. So I think um, I think just I guess 
thinking about as we kind of kind of close up what your your hopes are for for the role of department stores and our, in, our, in terms of our design of how the high street moves forward what are your your hopes and how they can be integrated into how we shop in future um, and have you got any kind of thoughts about how we can thoughtfully use I suppose architecture design to um yeah shape where the high street goes next I think I think the high street needs to be a place um, where people come together and, and meet one another and talk and debate and um, uh, I kind of feel that it might be very positive if we're less frenetically running around buying stuff and more sitting around talking to one another. It might be a really good thing. I think a lot of these buildings are are local landmarks, but they're um, but they are they're flexible and they there's plenty of scope for reusing them. And I think I mean what we're seeing is is you know. Um, I mean, for ages, these buildings have been economically out of the reach of any sort of arts organisations or community groups. And it is um, a sort of positive outcome of of falling um, uh, city centre rents that we can be more imaginative and look at different um, uses. Uh, and I think I think that the knock on effect for um, owners of smaller shops will be enormously positive, you know, that you will get more people coming into city centres and um, being, um, um, you know, really making the choice to, if, if you're going to go to a shop, it's because you want to do something special and you want something niche. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think our, all our shopping will become um, a more, um, um, you know, a, a, a more a slightly rarefied experience perhaps mm-hmm. compared to what we do now and that we'll do the boring stuff online and then the the special bits in person perhaps. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that, I mean, <laughs> speaking to somebody the other day, I'm mean, buying toilet roll is something, I mean, let's just do that online. It makes it easy, like, just, you know, groceries, great. And it's they've made it so easy. But there's no joy at all in shopping online. There's no browsing or stumbling upon something or somebody giving an amazing recommendation. Or, you know, I remember being in a, I mean, it was in America, but in um, Saks Fifth Avenue, actually, and somebody just it was almost like a sort of performance about all this amazing perfume they were selling. And there's the whole, yeah, performative magic of, of shops and shopping yeah. that we won't lose because it's, it's, it's really special. I think that's what's made us want to return back to the high street after being cooped up for a year. So yeah, a really interesting, a very interesting time. And I think just thinking, reflecting again on all the, that change post-war, because I guess that was the most recent time of, of, enormous innovation and enormous regrowth and regeneration I wonder whether we can emerge from this period to something almost you know looking back at what we've learned and actually how can we build back I want to say build back better I feel like I'm going to sound like a politician but yeah how can we start to create a new era for the high street well, I guess the post-war period was all about you know celebrating consumerism and 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 stuff and the availability of, of so many more things and different materials and I guess at the moment we're, we've got a bit of a reaction to that you know we're really worried about the impact on the environment and that perhaps one of the themes will be about reuse and recycling and um, and also just a, um, an acceptance that that happiness doesn't necessarily come through material possessions that it mm. can come through um, spending time with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, making sure that department stores are saved and reused in that respect is a kind of perfect, we don't have to knock it down and rebuild. We can actually use what we've got and more 
more imaginatively, more creatively, and yeah, actually repurpose what we've got to bring people together uh, in new ways. It's yeah, well, it's been it's been um, fantastic to speak to you both this morning and just to learn more about your campaign and to see yeah where you're going next can people so if people are listening and thinking oh I got something and I want to make sure it's on the list or do they how do they get in touch with you can you tell us a bit more yeah we'd love to hear from them you can go to our website which is www.c20society.org.uk and um and have a look there we're going to have the um spreadsheet um, there and regularly updated and we're we're definitely up for for people to send in their contributions um, so yes please we'll definitely be doing this all through the summer of 2021 um, and I don't think the pressure on department stores or the shops shops in general is going to um, abate anytime soon um, so we're, I'm sure this will be something we're working on for quite a while we're also looking to do um, we, we've done a series of books we, we've done a book about 100 churches one about 100 houses and next up is 100 shops so we're looking for candidates for that book as well oh interesting 100 shops is that going to be that's not just apartment stores that is that generally shops uh... no. yeah we, um, well we're, we're at the moment debating whether how broad it goes will we include you know 1970s um pitched roof um vernacular style um, out of town supermarkets and um, DIY stores. Um, I think we might. Will we include marketplaces? But yes, it will definitely be the high street department stores, um, chain stores, um, um, and um, and some of the kind of most innovative of, of um, the makeovers of interiors of shops, which is you know, definitely part of a part of the overall story. Brilliant. Well, and people can stay up to date by visiting your website and can keep a note of how the campaigns are going. Follow you on social media, I'm guessing as well. On I, well, I know I, I follow you on Instagram, but um, yeah, to make sure that they kind of can see where the progress is and how how their favourite department stores are kind of are, are getting on. It was lovely to have you both uh, with us today, and uh, yeah, thank you so much, and best of luck with the campaign. I'm really excited to see where where things have where things go next. So, thank you. Yes, thank you very much. Thank you for having us. If you've enjoyed today's episode, I'd highly recommend our previous episodes from season two with Dr. Sarah Montano and Mid-Steeple Quarter as we think about other ways that we can repurpose these buildings on our high streets and, yeah, what the future could look like. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please consider rating the show, writing a review or telling a friend. It really makes a huge difference to us. We'll see you next week. Until then, bye for now. Thank you for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did and you want to support me to continue to make the show, I would love it if you became a patron by clicking the link in the show notes. From as little as the price of a coffee a month, you'll receive behind the scenes content, blog posts and lots more. Click the link in the show notes to find out more or head to patreon.com slash independent thinking. Bye for now.